When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Blakey's Bootroom, the number one Cardiff City podcast. Brought to you by Wales Online. Hello and welcome to Blakey's Bootroom podcast here from Wales Online. I'm back, Dominic Booth, just with Nathan Blake this week. Four has become three, has become two. But we're here to dissect Cardiff City's 1-1 draw with Sheffield Wednesday at the weekend and discuss all the other talking points around the Bluebirds. At the moment, Lee Tomlin, Kenneth Zahor, Sol Bamba, plenty of other stuff on the agenda today. Mm. Nice to have you with us, Blakey. Yeah, nice to be here, mate. Nice to be here. Feels a bit empty, doesn't it, this week? It's actually nice with just the two of us. <laughs> it's eerily quiet in the studio today. Um, before we get into dissecting a 1-1 draw with Wednesday at the weekend, um, let's just hear what Neil Warnock made of the game after Sol Bamba grabbed that 94th minute equaliser. Um, this is what the boss said in his post-match press conference. No, it's. Uh, I mean, it's not like winning a game, into you know. When you, when I've been on the other end, and you, you're just distraught, really. You know, you can't believe you've thrown points away. But it's great from our point of view. And I thought we deserved it second half. Um, you know, I think we had 12 efforts to their two or three or something like that. And uh, I thought we were, you know, first half I were disappointed. Really, we, we we sort of carried on where we left off from Preston. We weren't on the front foot. I actually thought if Wednesday had wanted to, when they got the goal, if they had a, you know, it looked like they sat back after that, really, which I thought if they had a go at us, I thought that were our most vulnerable time, really, before half time. So I was delighted to get to half time at 1 0. Uh, and then, as I say, I thought we deserved it second half. Well, they're a good side. They'll have the measure of most sides in between the boxes, you know. Um, I don't think they had another shot, did they, other than Hooper's header? I can't remember anything that Neil had, had to do. So, against teams like that, they're going to have the possession, you know, it's what they do with it, really. So, Warnock there, Blakey, quite keen to stress that Cardiff deserved the point which they nicked in the nick of time. Mm. It was a strange game in many ways, wasn't it? Wednesday bossed the first half, really, I thought Mm. Cardiff struggled. Uh, And they did get back into the game, Cardiff, didn't they, in the second half? Do you think they, they merited a point in the end? I think you you have to say they got what they deserved, yeah. Um, they stayed in the game. I felt Sheffield Wednesday were a bit, uh, probably came off the pace a bit. Whether that's reasons because Cardiff played a bit higher up or whether they just, you know, thought we've kind of, we've kind of done it, we've, we've outplayed them. And a bit of complacency crept into their play, so... Either or, would, would I say Cardiff deserved the point? I think, yeah, I think uh, Sheffield Wednesday were very good uh, in the rotation, how they played. Um, and I thought uh, between boxes they were great, uh, but they they did lack a cutting edge, I felt, in the final third. I feel if that Forestieri was playing, 
you would tend to a stretch Cardiff more. I, I felt like Hooper and Fletcher both wanted to drop. Yeah, they were both coming to get, to get, get it ball, for feet, weren't they? Hooper was sometimes dropping into his own half to get the ball, and it was that rotation that Cardiff couldn't work out. You know, I was surprised that at no point did the players get right how to resolve the issues that were happening. We bumped into each other after the game, didn't we? And mm. and you said one word to me, which was lucky. Mm. Can they, can Cardiff be lucky and also have deserved it at the same time? Is there a bit of both? No, I didn't say lucky. I said they were lucky to get a goal so late on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think anyone and everyone would say if you score on the very last kick of the game, and, you know, you have to give them credit for going toward, toward to the very final whistle. But... Um, yeah, there's always an element of luck involved. Yeah, you've got yeah. an element of luck to, to get out. You got out of jail, so to speak. Not playing well, and also, regardless of which, would I like you say? Do I think they deserve the point? Yeah, I do because they stayed in the game. I mean, it would have been easy for them to fold as they sort of did at Preston, you know. But what they done, they dug in and showed a resolve and worked and worked. And you know, if you're not playing well playing pretty poorly and you come out with a point against one of the fancy top six teams then you've got to you've got to give credit there's, there, there, there's always a positive in a in a I don't think it's a negative result I thought it was a good result but in a negative performance then the below par performance wasn't yeah, it it was definitely. interesting the, the shooting stats from the game I think Cardiff had twice the number of shots that mm. Wednesday did which goes back to your point Wednesday good between the boxes I thought Bannon was excellent yeah Bannon run the show and that's what give Cardiff the problem yeah they, but they couldn't Wednesday couldn't turn that into into chances is that credit to Cardiff's defence? Uh, a bit of both yeah uh, you have to give the keeper a bit of credit I thought he'd done okay as well um, what about Saul Bamba yeah, I thought he was he was excellent again and yeah I thought I thought Bamba was immense to be honest with you uh, I, 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 I listen I, I felt they all played their part I said on, on, on radio Saturday that Peltier was dizzy you know what I mean he didn't know whether to stick or twist Riles was the same didn't know whether to go close after about 15 minutes I watched Riles really step onto Bannon but the rotation was just killing them you know you had the boy Reach on the one side and Lee on the other side and what they kept doing was just making diagonal runs across the front of the back four yeah just to threaten and actually their wingers were Hunt and Pundle yeah. that's who Wednesday's wingers were because yeah. they pulled pushed right up and then what allowed was Bannon and Jones to one of them always be free more often than not Bannon what Cardiff should have done was just say to Zohar um, Ralph should have said to Zohar come and play the other side of Bannon don't worry about uh, Van Aken and Leeds Leeds the two centre halves let them have it just play this side of him and when you can you know, nail him. And if you can, if you miss, then I'm going to be there to nail him. It's all about timing. So that's why I was surprised that they didn't resolve the issues while they were playing because they were getting strung out and run ragged a bit. Are there certain styles that you think Cardiff struggle against slightly more than others? We saw at Molyneux a few weeks back Wolves play in a similar style to Wednesday. I thought maybe with more width actually and maybe more attacking intent potentially mm. but that Cardiff came off better then because I think Wolves flooded forward mm. whereas a few people have been saying Wednesday they didn't go for the jugular they held back a little bit and, mm. and Cardiff couldn't get back into the game um, I would say like say you know 
what Wednesday did, they played a rotational system and they had, without a cutting edge at the end, like I said, if Wednesday had a, a striker who had a bit of pace about him, was willing to run the other way, then I think Cardiff could have been in serious trouble. Yeah. But they didn't mm-hmm. at the end of the day. They had two strikers who liked to come towards the ball uh, and a very good midfield who liked to rotate. No problem. Uh, they caused Cardiff a whole heap of problems, but they weren't able to you know, put two, three, four goals past them. They only ever got the one. So you know as a, as a player or as a team, at some point, we are not going to leave ourselves open in this rotational system. We are going to have to try and defend this 1-0. And I thought the last 10 minutes, that's what Wednesday did, was say, right, let's shut up shop and defend the 1-0. Um, which then allowed Cardiff to come on and apply more pressure. But Cardiff are that way inclined. You know, they're playing poorly. But if you allow them to come on to you, they've got such strength and power in a lot of their players that, you know, they're going to overwhelm you, if you like. And, you know, I just felt the last 10 minutes, it was becoming wave after wave sort of thing. And all of a sudden, Wednesday didn't look as uh, tactically assured as they did for the previous 80 minutes. And I just thought, yeah. Yeah, Carlos Carvajal saying after the game that he thought Cardiff's style of play unsettled Wednesday didn't allow them to play to the, their normal level mm. and after coming off two back-to-back wins as Wednesday had done mm. you know I don't think Harvard's going to be the first manager to say that this year is he? No and we've I mean I've said, I've highlighted on the programme that uh, you know the, we've said earlier on in the season you're not going to get a Preston result three or four times in a row not with Warnock it won't happen yeah you know I mean you've gone draw lost draw yeah, so you've gone against a Fulham team who like to play great football, a Preston team who play good football, and a Wednesday team who play very good football. Mm. So, you know, you've got a mix and match, and Cardiff have been able to come out of it, you know, with two draws and a defeat. Was it about stopping the rot, do you think, this one? just It's just, not even a rot, isn't it? You've won five games, you've drawn a game. But just making sure you that one loss doesn't become two. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, are, you know, uh, are quick to look at the the defeat at Preston and 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 throw their arms up about it, but you know, like you said, you, you just mentioned where they're stopping rot off the back of five wins and a draw. That's an incredible record, regardless of how you look at it. Five wins, a draw, and then a loss, and then a draw. It's almost right if you go on draw two games and win. You've lost one in like eleven, twelve games after. You know, start of the season. I think any manager in the league would take that. And so it 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 stops you going back to back defeats. But I don't think there's any sort of rot or any sort of worry or anything like that. Cardiff just their performance level has dropped a bit. Maybe a bit of tiredness creeping in, but it's the kind of tiredness at this time stage of the season. You have a day off, you have a lighter day's training, and you can fully recover again. Was it significant that maybe we didn't see the best of people like Gunnarsson and, and Rouse in the middle, like you say, tiredness creeping in? Mm. I don't think they had their best games, did they, those two? Uh, no, the system killed them Yeah, more than anything Swamped else. Swamped in midfield. They, were, they, they, they got overrun. Bryson, I felt, again, because they didn't work out who to close and when to close that person, it was basically Bryson, 
Gunnison. Gunnison was sat a bit deeper, so he wasn't yeah. as effective. But definitely Bryson, Rawls, Peltier and Bennett were all over the place. You know, They were getting dragged left, right and centre. And it was basically because of uh, Reach, Lee, Bannon just making those and Jones and, settling and Hooper. Yeah, they were just... They were just rotating, rotating. Sometimes Bannon would be higher up in like in the ten position. Sometimes it'd be deeper in the sixth position. Sometimes it'd be on the right. Sometimes on the left. But they would just play these little triangles with a way of then having runners like Reach and Lee, as I said, going across them. And then you know they're slipping little balls down the line and in behind Cardiff's uh, defence. Not for pacey players to run on to 30, 40 yards. They were little at 10, 15 yards, just just splitting them, splitting them all the time, unsettling them. And what did you make of um, Bryson's debut? I thought he was uh, very energetic, but but maybe lacked a little bit of composure. Well, there's a, you don't want to. There's a saying in it that says you don't want to be a busy fool, so <laughs> you don't want to be energetic. I said on radio, I felt Bryson, Rawls, Goodison, Paltier, Bennett could do less running. But be more decisive in their work, more proactive almost. Yeah, because they weren't organised right, and they weren't set up to counter uh, counter what um, Wednesday were doing. They just kept doing more of the same. And it was a, a, one time I looked at Bryson, and he got so frustrated because he felt I'm just running around in circles, and it almost came across that way. You're just chasing shadows, basically. You didn't. They didn't get near enough. To make a tackle. Is that a product of making your debut though, or your first no, start? No, 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 no. It was just the system they played against. He, he wasn't sort of trying to trying too much because he was no, on his he, first no, start. no, no. He, he, he was he, he was trying to get near the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't get near the ball, and he was getting more and more frustrated as the game went on. It was just because of the system that they were facing and how they did. Cardiff didn't understand that they had to bring their fullbacks into play. But key to Cardiff was the whole drop in and your fullbacks. Yeah, so rather than Peltier, sometimes he'd find himself next to Bamba or Morrison, right, tucked across like a third centre-half. Sometimes he'd find himself in like a central midfield position alongside Gunnison or Rawls. Sometimes he'd find himself in a wide right position, like where Mendes Lang was. And sometimes he'd find himself in a right-back position where he was comfortable. What he should have done was just hold that position and organise with Mendes Lang to drop in, and when Reach makes a run across, they communicate across to Gunnison, who's often deeper and spare. Gunnison would pick up the runner, or the spare man Bamba or Manga uh, Morrison would pick up the runner. It was easy to, but it was just communication, a lack of understanding and communication. I think those possession stats, more than sixty percent for Wednesday, sort of bear out what you're saying. Yeah, so they like Bryson. He he, he was ineffective basically but not alone you know they were all ineffective if you like because Sheffield Wednesday have been playing that system for two or three seasons and they they play it really well so it's a lesson it's a great lesson for Cardiff to learn and think right how do we coaching staff or players if, if if we're on the pitch on a Saturday and that happens again how do we deal with it as players because I've been in dressing rooms where you go in half time and the manager says, Who told you to change it? Blah, 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 blah. And we say, Well, we changed it because we're getting run ragged. And we couldn't continue to get run ragged 
and nothing was coming off the bench, so we changed it. If we lose, then we're all in it together, and we so yeah. you know. Well, you, it's interesting. Games like that, you can learn a lot more than the ones you win two, three nil. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a good lesson, and it wasn't harsh because you picked up a point. Well, and it goes down as a good point at the absolutely. end of the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in part two, we're going to be chatting about the enigmatic Lee Tomlin. Subscribe to The Boot Room on iTunes or listen on walesonline.co.uk So Blakey, it's been an issue I've penciled in for the podcast for the last few weeks but I think it probably comes to the fore now and the question, how do you fit Lee Tomlin into this side? How much do Cardiff need to fit him in the side? Um... Well, I wouldn't say you need, I, I would say the players you need in the team are your Mendes, Langs, your Zahors, uh your Gunnarsons, your Bambas. Um, they're the players you need, I say, in the team. Um, the, the, the point I'm making is, is mm. maybe do Cardiff lack a little bit of luxury, a bit of mystery? In that midfield, I think Paul Vandenato has made the point a few times on this podcast, and yeah, I'm well, inclined to agree. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, but you do have. I think the, it was. It's always evident when you don't play well. It always highlights it more. So you've lost, and then you've been um, outperformed, but you've got a point against Wednesday. So you always look to what is the answer. So we always go right. Okay, he's not playing, so. He's the answer, basically. So you're better off when you're not yeah, in the team. That's the, absolutely. But you also got to look at, before I go into um, whether or not I think he was right, wrong, or should have been brought on, should have been brought... I just think you have to look at performance level of Mendes, Lang, Zoho and Hoyler, which was... Um, it wasn't poor in the sense of they didn't work hard or anything. Again, it was the system they were in and playing against which didn't allow them to be at their best they were thinking more overthinking defensive then whereas normally they do their defensive duties they do them well and then they do their offensive duties because of this system they found themselves found themselves defending a lot more than what they normally would I would say they were but pinned back a little bit the they were well, very then. much very much well Mendes Lang at least five if you watch the game again five six occasions in both halves especially first half he was playing alongside Peltier and Peltier was tucked in alongside the centre half so he was playing as a right back you know what I mean so it, it you know and that's in a back four that's rarely you see that sometimes you see that if you've got three at the back drop to a back five but seeing a back five win a back four is uh, back six sometimes yeah it, it's it's rare it's rare, but it was lack of communication. But going back to uh, Lee Tomlin. Well, he came on and, and produced the free kick, which Westwood parried, and it led to the, the yeah. goal. So people automatically... Yeah, think. but it's a free kick. It's like having a penalty. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's not, it doesn't warrant you then to start the next game. You've not done anything other than hit the target. So it doesn't warrant you... He didn't, he didn't come on and... like give three assists in 10 minutes or anything like that or give an assist in 10 minutes which everyone's got oh that's a great bit of play he's opened up it's what we were missing today it's a free kick it's a set piece we get the rebound we score 
still, I think the question can be asked, how do you fit him into the team? And I'd say, I say, because he's not, he doesn't get enough goals. If you look at his track record, beautiful player to watch. I, I really like watching him play. I think he's tricky. I think he's strong. He's quite aggressive. You know, he's got a lot about him. But one thing I'd say to him is, mate, just, just hang around the box more. Get yourself the tap in. You know, you're not going to score the screamers from 30 yards like Zohar. It's going to be difficult because you've got the power, but you ain't got the pace to get away from people. Is it difficult for Tomlin to perform maybe the, the playmaking role between midfield and attack and also do what you say and get into the six-yard box and pop up with it? Yeah, because he's an attacker number 10. He's not a midfield number 10. So if you're playing DeMora in number 10 role, you can say to him, drop in the midfield and do that work as well. Whereas Tomlin, I think he's more of a striker number 10. So if he's playing in that 10 role, he's not going to be as equipped, well-equipped as, say, DeMora to get back, tackle, be in the right position, cover, blah, 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 blah. And probably doesn't have the, the engine, like you say, there you to go. do it. There you go. But I'm but, sure there'll be games this season where Cardiff are presented with banks of four, let's say at home to someone like Burton mm. or Barnsley, mm. and they need to break down teams. Is that where Tomlin comes into his own? I think so, yeah. Or if Cardiff say, right, we're going to go... Because I would look at Saturday and go, well, Zahor looked a bit leggy for me. So I tell you what, I'm going to play two up front next game. Yeah, so whether I go to a three-man midfield uh, and don't play the two wide men or I go with 4-4-2 four, four, and play two up top, I'm going, to play, I'm going to play Tomlin because I feel my main striker, if you like, needs a bit of workload handling off to someone else. So I would, I would actually play him in a 4-4-2. Four, four, and just play him, you know, play one striker deeper, one higher, because he's not going to run in behind people, but he can cause you so much problems because he's he, he's his trickery and that he's like a magician. Yeah, there was a there was a there was a good piece of analysis on Wales Online this week by our colleague Tom Coleman, who highlighted, I think you touched on it before, really, Zahor coming a little bit deeper and dropping a bit wider mm. to get the ball, mm. and that's possibly impacting his goal return. Does he need to? Stay almost stay up there and allow Tomlin to, to do that for you and to yeah. pick you out. Yeah, basically, yeah. Because what happens is when you're it's 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 a dream for a centre half when you just there's two of you and you're playing against one striker. It is so you know you know the two fullbacks have the two Lang and um, Hoylet, so they're two v one all the time. Yeah, ain't got a problem. So for a centre-back, it's great. But when you chuck another striker in there, it becomes a totally different ball game. Totally different. Like if if uh, if Tomlin is playing in a number 10 role, a bit deeper, right, first of all, you set the problem to the centre-half, which one of you are going to mark him? You can't leave him free. Kind of like what Bannon did to us Saturday. He dropped deep. Sometimes he dropped, went high. Sometimes he went slightly right. Sometimes so that would pose so Tomlin can drift a bit left he can drift a bit right he can drift a bit deeper he can sit up against the hall sit play right next to him but what it does is sets them a problem of first of all if he's in this position up alongside the hall centre half got him however if he's 10 yards deeper but not he's behind my midfielder and in front of me who picks him up? Do I go in? It gives them both something to worry about. Or does the it? midfielder drop? Or does it, so straight away it poses a problem. So I would, I, I, I would probably, I would probably take out Bryson 
or Rowles. Rest them up a bit. Uh, possibly have a look at Bryson alongside Gunnison. We've had a look at Demore. We know what Rowles can do. So possibly look at uh, Bryson alongside Gunnison. And just play a, a basic 4-4-2 and, and, and let's see what happens. I did want to public, publicly make the admission on the podcast, Blakey, that I did think Rowles was poor against Wednesday. <laughs> despite my constant uh, yeah. bigging up of... Uh, yeah. He's done well. He worked season. hard. He, he, he was ineffective without being... He was dizzy. Of, I, said, I said on radio, there's a few of them. Peltier, I actually watched Joe... And I could see him physically think Bannon's killing us. So it was after about 10 or 12 minutes, he actually went right close to him. And I thought, okay, let's see what happens. Bannon still played it around him. So he was like, right, I, if I drop off, it gives him too much space. If I go tight, he's playing around me. So it kind of like dented his confidence of what to do next. What he should have done was drop off, and say to Zahor, drop this side of me. Drop this side of him for me. Going back to the Tomlin debate as well, does that actually make whoever partners Gunnison, if it's, say, a 4-2-3-1 uh, in the midfield to Rouse or Bryson, does Tomlin's presence actually make their job easier? They Absolutely, know what to do yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Well, Tomlin couldn't... I'm saying he's not a midfielder uh, number 10. He's a striker number 10. So you say to those players, drop in and help when you can. Yeah. And you know, I've always got an out ball because he's not going to be picked up. Sometimes he's going to drift left when I think, right, the corner's going to come in from the left, their left-hand side. He's going to be sat out on the right wing or vice versa. So I've always got an outlet ball because he's he's really, he's not standing up against the defender to be marked. He's looking for pockets to play in. And that's when, that's when you get... A- I told them get on the ball and you can that's when he kills like, people you can put people like Bannon off their game yeah that's when he's at his best because he, he kills people and you know his strength because he's, he's got a good set of shoulders on him I felt like someone like him he probably I don't know why the Cardiff plays, players didn't get it on Saturday but I just felt like he could have um, he probably would have automatically gone and sat on someone like Bannon yeah, well, it was difficult. Cardiff playing slightly deeper midfield than, than maybe they normally would, but like you say, that was the result of Wednesday's system and, mm. and how effective mm. they've been over the past two mm. years. Cause, was a cause, good time because Bryson was 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 trying, but it was it, it what was killing them was Hooper was coming in as well. There was one time where Hooper come practically twenty yards outside, maybe the arc into his own half. He was on the arc, so he was making up. Well, it was it was Hooper. Uh, Bannon, Jones, Lee, Reach. So it's five. It's not easy for a midfield contender against. That no, ball, which it? one? Who picks up who? Who do Bison pick up? Who just going to pick up? It's five against three, effectively. Yeah. Well, I think. And they're rotating. So the, you see the three in front of you, then all of a sudden, Reach runs across you. Right, who's picking him up? Because I'm magging, he's magging, and he's magging. So who's picking him up? So he gets out of their reach. <laughs> um, that's enough, Lee Tomlin, for, for now. I'm sure lots of Cardiff fans... More jokes, though, yeah? <laughs> no, less jokes as well. Fewer jokes, sorry. Um, that's enough, Lee Tomlin, chat for now. I'm sure lots of Cardiff fans will like to see him in, in the team. I would love to see him in a team. And I think my only advice to him would be when you're playing and you're around the box... Don't always think, let me get into my feet to produce for someone. 
be a bit greedy and you know let someone else do the work and go in and nick your 10 goals 12 goals a season there you go Lee from Nathan to you mm. via the podcast mm. lovely bit of advice there you're listening to Blakey's Boot Room from Wales Online Right, part three um, is Ask Blakey, and i got a question from Harry Harpin on Twitter here, Nathan. Harry Harpin. Shout out to Harry. Love Double that H. name, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, back to Zahor, and his question is, does Zahor need a partner? I guess it would come in the form of a Tomlin or a Ward. Mm. And his secondary question is, did you prefer to play in a strike partnership, or did you like playing as a lone striker I like both to be honest with you I did I love playing with like my my probably my most successful partner was John McGinley at Bolton um, although me and Matt Janssen were very good at Blackburn I enjoyed that and myself and Kenny Miller were good at uh, Wolves but uh, me and Super John yeah we probably had you know, we broke records and stuff like that so what are the pros and cons of, of each one well it, straight away you're 1v1 right so in a 2 yeah. yeah so it's 2v2 rather than 2v1 yeah um, so you know it usually be it would usually be the, the biggest the stronger man would go for the headers and the challenges and what have you and the little man runs in behind but I was quicker than John McGinley and stronger than John McGinley so John would often we made up a rule where don't get involved in the headers and try not to get involved in general play. Leave that to me. And every time, you just you just take drift off your centre-half. So he's thinking about you, not about covering his mate. And that leaves me one-on-one. So I can either beat this man and go for goal or beat the man and pass to you. So it worked, and it worked like a dream, to be honest with you. So Would that work with a Zahor and a Ward, maybe? Uh... Yeah, it could well do. I, I don't think there's any partnerships that can't flourish and develop over a period of time. You know, you'd have to have two very similar players for a partnership not to work, to be honest with you. But I preferred to play... If we were playing against a team who we knew were very good up front and very good in midfield, what Colin Dodd would tend to do was or if John was injured, was would play me up front on my own and then bring in Jamie Pollock or John John Sheridan alongside Scott Sellers, Per France and Michael Hansen, you know. The sort of like Thompson. what Warnock doesn't so you would, backing up the you midfield. Would pack the midfield and, but what I would say is Jamie Pollock uh shares you sit, Jamie Pollock, Per Franson, Alan Thompson, all you three, you can join can join and just one one of you sit and then you've got the two wide men as well Scott Sellers and Margaret Hansen so you all join so basically as a striker it's beautiful because you've got options left right and centre you always had Alan I always used to have Alan Thompson would run beyond me and you Per Franson would always sit behind me because he wanted the ball to his feet I always knew Margaret Hansen was one side Scott Sellers was the other side and then I'd have Jamie Pollock in and around me running behind or sitting to the angle or so it, 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 I couldn't say, if I had to pick, I'd say a two. Okay. What about Zahor? Which one do you think he would prefer? Which one suits him the best? He's played main, mainly on his own, really. Yeah, he's he? played mainly on his own, but I think what they, what 
they're different as in that they're playing a three. Yeah? So they're not playing a one with a five-man midfield. They're playing a one with a two wide. So it's a slightly different system to I play because when I played Scott Sellers and Marvel Johansson would play in alongside the midfield. Yeah? They play up as a three and a three if you like. I must say that Ask Blakey has been rudely interrupted by Wales Online Chief Football Writer Chris Wathen. Um Chris, we're talking now about the um, about not that there's a whole issue mm. or problem, but why the goal drought has happened and a good question's come in saying would Zahor benefit from maybe playing in a strike duo or on his own based on what you've seen? It's difficult to know because you know, that's the way Cardiff was set up. Yeah, and, with a lone striker, yeah. You know, in all fairness to him, I was critical of him last week. This is where I always I always end up trying to look for the middle ground. You know, things are never as bad as they seem, they're never as good as they seem. The truth is always in the middle. And I was critical because no one else had sort of really, really looked at it and whether Danny Ward should, should be given a, a chance. But at the same time, let's not overstate uh, Zahora's drought. You know what I mean? There have been times where he has done jobs that have made other players look good and, and make space for other players. <coughs> I mean, Blakey will know this better than me, and apologies if you've already mentioned it, but like strikers probably don't like playing a, a lone, lonesome role. No, Blakey was saying that he often prefer playing in a two, but, but a lone one can work as long as you get bodies close to the yeah, striker. Yeah, that, that's the thing, because you, know, you can call it you know, very much a, it's almost semantics with formations. You can call it the one up top, or you can call it three up top that's what I'm saying yeah Yeah. and I never played in a three Mm. I always played in a five man midfield or one at top Mm. so you had you always knew you had your wingers neither of them were quick wingers they were both tricky wingers and then I had Alan Thompson always loved to run behind I had Jamie Pollock who would sometimes love to run behind or sit Mm. or you had Per Franson who always sat or John Sheridan who always sat so you knew I always I knew I always had one sitting one sitting deep one running beyond mm. or one sat to the side and two wide either coming off the lines or sticking right wide. So but like Chris says, the benefit of Cardiff is Mendes Lang Hoyler have been getting so high. Yeah, and yeah, running beyond yeah. Zahora. But what they've done is play as a individual, individual, individual in the last game. So the, those three haven't linked up. Was it just right. about it being fluid, really? Right, so what I would say to Zahor is think more, getting it and going to the left, getting it and going to the right, getting it and going to the left. Get Don't always think, get it, give it to the midfielder. Go out and start the link. So when you go and play it to him, can you then, is he so wide that you can then make the, the run in between the centre half of tracking you and the full back and get in that space for a shot? So it... In different systems, there's different patterns, if you know what I mean. So what I mean? Yeah, it's like, you know, Sahora, if he pulls wide a little bit, you put in question marks in the centre-back's head, right? Do I follow this guy all the way out there? Mm. Because I'm out of my area then. Mm. And if and if, he, if he doesn't, Sahora's free, mm. and he can, you know, just roam <laughs> a little bit. If he does, then that's where the midfielders or the, or the fellow forward players have got to be clever enough to go, there's a space there, and I'm going to take full advantage mm. of it. Going back to the, the two thing, it all depends on that on the makeup of that two. It's all very well saying you could play two two strikers, but we discussed Lee Tomlin's potential role in, in and around <coughs> Zahora, but there's also Danny Ward pressing for a case, yeah, isn't there? You know, it, it, 
I, I'm not sure the way Cardiff are playing would work with those two Ward and Zahora, but this is, we're still in the sort of stage of the season where you're almost still experimenting a little bit. Mm, yeah. And you know, so it's, it's always funny to look back at promotion teams where, by and large, and include the Bolton side that, that Nathan played in. By and large, you can name the team. Mm. But that team tends to be the one that finishes the season yeah. where everyone has found themselves a bit more and, and all of a sudden you, you've got a nucleus who just go, this is going to take us there. Mm. I guarantee you, the side that finishes with Cardiff will not be the side that we are now looking at. They'll mm. be changing. No, and funny enough, the reason, the reason I was was late, I've been speaking to Callum Patterson. Um, well, he can play up front, of course. He can play anywhere. Um, I'm not <laughs> saying that's the answer, but um, an exciting player who uh, is going to add something else to the mix for Cardiff. Uh, and um, I, said, I still think there'll be lots of tinkering and tweaking along the way. And Warnock, as I've said before, I know he plays up to the character. He likes everyone to think of Warnock, the, the shouter and the bowler and the, and the, and the quick-witted and all this. <coughs> but he knows his tactics. Mm. And he'll set up different games, different ways of skin a cap, different opponents. And like um, you say, people like Lee Camp... Still yet to come back in. Yeah. Kadeem Harris has been injured. Mm-hmm. Lo- lots of options. What about the story? Um, this is to both of you, really, that suggested Cardiff may cash in on on Zahora if the promotion bid collapses by January. It sort of caused a little bit of debate among Cardiff fans. Nathan, do you see the, the mm-hmm. logic behind saying something like that from Warnock, or or, or not? I didn't know he had said that, so I would have to really have a think about why I'm thinking why he would say that. Uh, maybe he's preempting the owner. Maybe he's saying, I know what will happen if we're 12, that he'll say, maybe that's been said. Mm. Maybe if we're not inside the top six and we're end of January, we're, what, eight points outside the top six, I'm telling him. Fair enough. Well if if you can for if you can get twenty, thirty million at that point, I wouldn't sanction it personally, but you know, I could understand why they might do it because like you just said, we've mentioned Ward, we've mentioned uh watch what's, what's his name? Um Tomlin. You've got what three maybe three strikers left or three possible strikers there? Omar Bogle, still? we've still not still not seen him. Well, so. You don't, I, I, so I I've seen the quotes. I've not seen the context in which they were said. It might have just been responding to a question. Yeah, know, that's important to know. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I'll admit that I haven't had a chance to to listen to the interview. However, we, what we don't know is what has been said in private, as Nathan has alluded to. Have the owners of the hierarchy turned <laughs> round to Warnock? and say, look, we'll turn this bid down now, but if the same comes in in January and we're not going to get promotion, we've got to accept it. You know, that's financial sense, right? Because they've got, they, you know, they're still having to cut their cloth accordingly. Another season of championship football, you know, will impact on finances and budget. Secondly, it might be <coughs> the player himself and the agent to say, look, I know this is off of you. I know you can earn twice the money somewhere else. But give us six months. If another offer comes in in January, well, we'll uh, we and we're not in the mix. We we won't stand in your way. Mm. It's got to be a bit big enough for us, mm. but we won't stand. It in could be that they, they, they're the in the mix and yeah. they've, they've they've said, regardless of what, 
January, if another 30 million bid comes in, and that might, or it might be 20 million, 30 million, whatever the, 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 the figure is that's been stated by Cardiff, if they say if we get that bid again, we're selling them, regardless. What I think is important... We've got for, a squad strong enough to cope. Yeah. What I think is important for Cardiff as a club and to show that they are learning and they are making steps forward is that they're already looking to replace him. Mm. Because the best clubs, the clubs that are successful, are the ones that have succession planning. And that goes for players, it goes for management, it goes for looking at what's going to happen tomorrow rather than just thinking about today. Mm. Zahora is going to go at some point. It's going to happen, right? He's either going to fall away in form, right? Perhaps unlike the way we're looking at it now, or he's going to carry on with his form and going to be picked up elsewhere. Now, that might come after promotion, it might come after Cardiff are out of the top six, whatever. Right? It happens. Right? Every, no one lasts forever. Cardiff have got to be thinking now about, right, when that day comes, who are we looking at to come in? Yeah. Top dollar price, bargain price, how are we going to cope? So when that does happen, well, it's still a blow, but you're prepared for it, and, and you can action plans so that that damage is lessened. Mm-hmm. And you think about clubs That's like- what Cardiff haven't done enough of over the years. Absolutely. It didn't happen when they were in the Premier League and relegation was on the cards. Poor scouting, isn't it? Poor, yeah. poor recruitment, poor scouting, and almost guessing work. Yeah, you think about you're buying players for the sake of buying player. You're not, you're not. And if you're changing managers so frequently, then different managers want different players for different reasons. And what you've got to understand is, if you change your manager four times over the course of eighteen months, two years, then you've got four different philosophies of player or managers philosophy of player what he would would have wanted all now you know grouped in one area and you're trying to find the best system you're trying to find the best players who marries best with who and what have you and it's just not what it what you, it's like telling a lie I say you have to tell a second then a third then a fourth then a fifth and all of a sudden it's you a tangle, f- isn't it? It's just a web of lies then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what you try and do is from right from the offset is plan properly. So Warnock found a Mendez Lang, which surprised us all. Is there a striker out there right now? Well, of course there is. There's gonna be in the next two years we'll hear of a kid who's come from championship football or League Two football or conference football who's playing you know, what's the boy at Everton? Um, no, I think he was at Charlton. Luckman. Yeah. Luckman, players like that. They, they're there. Uh, and it depends what your network's like. I think the difference is now you've got a manager who will have a 50-year-plus network, so he should have scouts here, there and everywhere. I think Chris, Chris's point is really good about trying to replace players and, and the scout. And obviously, like you said, Blakey, look at a club like Burnley. Mm. I think they they've done it superbly they lose a player hmm. they bring someone in similar calibre they've got a contingency haven't yeah they? it doesn't always work though even when you plan properly I would say look at Everton hmm. I think Everton fans were saying Lukaku's not this Lukaku's not that which I was scratching my head at Lukaku goes makes United even better no question stronger and he's got more to come he's, he's probably paying 70% of what he can be at the moment probably got another good 25% to become the complete player he's going to be awesome 
But then you look at Everton and you say, well, they 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 knew it was coming, they planned. Are they better now? Well, at the start of the season, everyone was saying, well, we're going to be because we get Rooney, we get Sigurdsson, we got this option, we got that option. Ask me now, would I rather, if I was Kuman, would I rather Rooney, Sigurdsson, go back and give me Lukaku or keep Lukaku and give me Rooney? I take Lukaku all day, every day. Let's not mention the name Sigurdsson too often in front of Chris after a summer covering that transfer. Yeah. It gives him uh, weird <laughs> flashbacks, sweats. I think. Yeah. Um, in part four, we're going to be casting our predictions for Sunderland and looking ahead to the weekend. Got a question for Blakey? Tweet us at Cardiff City Live. So before we get started with our own predictions, chaps, I've got one written down from Paul Abandonato. Uh, not on the podcast today, but he says 4-1 Cardiff, Zahora back in form, uh, and Sunderland rubbish. 4-1 Cardiff from Paul, I think potentially a little bit too optimistic, but be interested to see what you two think. I don't think Cardiff are in that form right now. I think I think they I think it's any any given Saturday it can turn you know they could play Sunderland and you know wipe the floor with them Sunderland are the team struggling with confidence right now but Cardiff haven't shown the sort of form over the last two or three games where that is going to happen so if you're you know it can happen they could win seven but law of averages says you play your way into that sort of form and you can see it and then one day you hit someone for six because you know everything just dropped Cardiff don't seem to be producing that much at the moment. I still think Sunderland are in such a dire situation that Cardiff will win the game, mm. uh, but I think it'll be a bit tighter than that. I would yeah. go with probably a 2 0 or a 2 1. Yeah, I, I think the same. Um, there's there's actually a lot of good players in that Sunderland side. Yeah, there's but something wrong with that club in there. Yeah, right. And something that, fundamentally wrong with that club. It's, it re- reminds you a little of Cardiff when they went down. Yeah. It can be a change of place. It's been got years a though. Huh? It's been years, <laughs> Sunderland. Yeah, it has. It's been years. It's been coming. It, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's 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 like, and you, I don't even think it's ended. No, no. I think and like for someone like Simon Grayson, I play with Larry a Blackburn, great lad, good manager. Larry yeah. is right. For someone like him to go in, and I think he'll be gone by Christmas. I really do. Well, even earlier, and can't get it right. It's almost. It's like the England job. I yeah, say it's, it's the impossible job. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to be interesting? The only way the cut, the only way, but if kind of do get a big win and um, for Abo's uh, ego around the office, let's hope it doesn't turn out to four one. I was going to mention that I got my prediction right last week again, but you know, again, no one likes this. <laughs> um, that crowd is ready to, to explode, and if Cardiff get an early goal, oh. right. They'd be baying for blood up there, and that, and it's a similar situation with the fans at Cardiff. Very frustrated over the last few years with different decisions and what have you, and all of a sudden it's turned very quickly, hasn't it? Mm. Under the Warnock era, it's turned and fans. But traditionally, even if they're happy, Cardiff fans are impatient. They don't want to see like what they watch down the road at Swansea. They want to see good football at a high tempo. They don't want to see you know, the position where you could possibly cross it, come back out, go down, back across the back foot, one out the other. No, 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 no. Cross it. If it gets blocked, gets blocked. Cross it. 
we want to see that type of football. So Cardiff have been in a similar situation in, in, in recent times, but Sunderland, like Chris says, you only got to, you only, they only need, they're at the point they're players where one bad pass in the first five minutes, boo, they're on you. Yeah. Now, I always say that is almost an impossible atmosphere to play in. You've got to have some thick skin, basically. You almost got to have a don't care attitude. And the problem is most players do care, but you've got to almost approach the game in, I don't care. I don't care if I get booed, I don't care if I take a shot and it's a corner flag, I don't care. But I've got to show a don't care attitude because something needs to turn. So Nathan's saying a slender card of win based on that. Chris, would you you'd go along with that? Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think Cardiff might have to scrap for it as well because Sunderland, they're almost in a dare-not-lose situation. Cardiff's going the first 20 minutes. Yeah, that's over. what I think, yeah. But I th- I've got a feeling it might... You know, might go there. I won't be surprised if it's nil nil. You know, yeah. I won't be surprised if it's nil nil. I go two nil. I go two goals first half, Cardiff. Second half, evens. Well, I'm going to uh, speak to our former colleague Phil Smith, formerly of this podcast, um, now up at the Sunderland Echo, well, about, about all the uh, all the weird siders travail. So I'll I'll um, before I'll cast my prediction now, but I will say. Um, Phil's insight might might have helped me, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll say one nil Cardiff. I think maybe tight, like Chris says. But, yeah. um, it won't be a run over, I don't think. I it very rarely is in the championship. No, it ain't. And let me just give. I met a gentleman on Saturday, Steve Morris, all the way from Adelaide, and he said to me, um, "We had a photo," and he said, oh, "I've met you before." I was like, "All oh, right," thinking he must have been from the UK and gone over. He said, "Yeah, in Adelaide." I was like, Adelaide, I've only been there with Sheffield United. Yeah, he said, when you went with Sheffield United, I met you at the Adelaide game, we had a picture, signed some autographs. Crazy, mate. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. So, Steve... Is he a podcast listener? He is a listener. Big shout out to you, mate. It was good to see you again. Oh, that's a perfect way to finish and a great shout out for Steve. Um, thanks both for your contributions, albeit a little late, Chris, mm. uh, on today's podcast. Um, remember, you can follow all the latest Cardiff City news on Wales Online um, you can subscribe to the boot room on iTunes and leave us a review there as well um, and that's all we've got time for this week um, thanks both and same time next week cheers cheers